Welcome back, everybody, to the Modern Producer Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Basha, and this episode is going to be a really interesting one. We go a little overboard, but that's because Adam and I got into a really candid conversation about identity, branding, and this concept of mindset. At the end of the day, there are some prerequisites for success when it comes to building a business. And as I've mentioned in the past, how you do one thing is how you do everything. This episode is going to test your identity. Adam and I are going to rail on these concepts and the way that we discuss them may cause you to question your character. Now, don't worry, (laughs) this can be a good thing. So what am I referring to when I say identity? I'm talking about how you define you. When someone says, I am a particular way, what is this I? Who are you? Your life is just a collection of memories, and ultimately, this collection of memories informs your thought patterns and the stories you tell yourself to the point that it becomes an identity. And this is how most people define who they are. Entrepreneurship is not something you are born with. It is a learned trait. It's something you can adopt. So I want you guys to keep that in mind as we go through this interview with Adam. I invite you guys to listen closely. Take some time and really absorb what we're talking about. And don't be afraid to press that pause button when we come up against something that causes you to chew on it for a bit. Just cogitate on it for a second and think through in your life and your experiences if you notice anything in your life that's holding you back. Chances are you're onto something. If you're onto something, you should probably address it sooner than later because ultimately, If we have dreams, especially if they're big dreams, the only way that we can truly make them a reality is that they are going to demand us to change. They're going to demand that we evolve to become the type of person, become the version of ourselves that is capable of making them a reality, which essentially means that we have to start paying attention to different things than we are right now. Anyway, I'm not going to hold you out any longer. Here's the episode. Welcome to the Modern Producer Secrets Podcast, the first music industry podcast for creatives who want to reach beyond the side hustle, where we show you how to apply the principles of business, mindset, and personal development to create real sustainable success from the inside out. Welcome back, everybody. I have the lovely Adam Reifstick here with the Music Producers Alliance. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, man. (laughs) It's been just a year, man. It's crazy. I'm always looking for growth in my life and my day job. In two years, I've gone from technician entry level to manager now, which is pretty cool. Not that you guys need to know my personal life. When you focus on growth the way that I have, I can see the difference. So I'm starting to pay attention to different things. There's a lot of stuff that I can get into that we're actually going to talk about in this episode. And so I just want to first say, how did the boot camp go? That's what I'm curious to know. We just finished up our annual three-day boot camp called The Rise of the Modern Producer. And it's where I share the three pillars or keys to turning a home studio into a six-figure online business. What inevitably happens whenever we do these trainings is that we get a lot of producers that join expecting we'll be giving some sort of easy button that will instantly bring them success with their music. And they're always surprised by what's all involved. And we've done this boot camp, I think, like three times so far. And honestly, it might be the last one we do like it because on this past boot camp, 
had this light bulb moment each time I showed producers what to do. And then at the conclusion of the training, if they wanted to get help implementing my proven framework, I then show them what we do inside our mentorship program at the Music Producers Alliance and the success that our students have had with the program. It really dawned on me that there is this prerequisite for this training. It's not enough to just show you what the steps are. And I feel Mm. I may have done kind of a disservice by not first addressing a mindset shift that absolutely has to happen before you even can be open to this new method that we teach for achieving success in today's music industry landscape. Interesting. You mean there's no big red button like the Staples commercial that doesn't exist? (laughs) Yeah. 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 There's no easy button (laughs) for sure. Wish there was. Yeah. Well, first off, congrats on wrapping the boot camp. It's good that you still have people showing up, which is always a sign. There are people interested in this stuff. I just want to stop you there because we've already brought up some things that I want to unpack. After all, I think it will help our audience to get more context and framing around the situation. So what I'd like to do is break down what you just said into two separate topics of discussion, one being on the identity and identifying what's at play for those who can relate to the people in the boot camp who just showed up expecting an easy button for success. And the other is diving into the core principles that we've been teaching in this podcast and what the Music Producers Alliance can offer for those that are ready. What do you say, Adam? Sounds great. (laughs) All right. Let's jump back to the boot camp. You had an epiphany of sorts, correct? You were showing producers what to do to replicate your success through this blueprint program, but there was a disconnect happening. What was going on there? Yeah, I think this comes back to maybe laziness in a way of modern producers. And I was this way, very green when I first got into this industry, very short-sighted and you seek out instant gratification. And the second you realize that there's actual work involved, there's always going to be some sort of pushback and you're going to go look for maybe another program that's similar to what we're teaching here and looking for that easy button. I was seeing something recently of like buy my course where essentially the course instructor was showing you how to set up profiles on freelancer websites. And then all of a sudden you'll make six figures in a year. Yeah, that, that <laughs> it works that way 100% yeah. of the time, right? No, yeah. it doesn't. To be fair, it's not just in our community. This is a societal issue. And from what I can tell, no matter what boot camp or webinar promises you the keys to success, like they've figured out the formula, they're going to share it with you and it just clicks once you go watch it or read it. Those worth their weight in gold get scrutinized in the comments with negative feedback from people who haven't even attempted to use any of the teachings. And then they just go off and search for another one. And you'll see the same people posting on all these different programs, whether they're true or not, they haven't even applied it. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it's because most people are looking for a quick cash grabber. They're trying to look for the shortest route. The shortcut is, in reality, the longest route to success. Just in my experience, because it's the most challenging route that actually leads to success. The number of times I find people saying, I don't have time to go through the trainings that you're providing at our mentorship program or It sounds like it's going to be a lot of time. It's a lot of stuff involved in setting up your business the right way so that you can be profitable. Then I question them, so what are you actually busy with? And the answer is that they're looking for this quickest way to do it. And 
So you're spending all this time looking for the quickest way to do it when you could be doing the things that are required to actually get the results you want. There's just a logic fallacy right there. Yeah. So producers ask me all the time, Adam, what's the best way to do X? What's the best way to sell my beats? What's the best way to grow my home studio business? And in the past, I used to answer this question directly. But then I realized I was making a huge mistake because I didn't really know what they meant by best. So I asked them, so what do you mean by best? And 100% of the time, they're looking for the quickest and easiest, quickest and easiest. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I thought you meant the highest performing and most lucrative option which is not the quickest and easiest, (laughs) but that's the lens through which many struggling producers are looking through. I need it today. I need it quickly. I need it now. And my question for you is how long have you been operating from that? And I only say these things because I was doing it for a long time. Then I was like, whoa, something's got to change and it's going to take commitment It's a promise which people throw around so loosely, but it's a decision to do it no matter what it takes. Yeah, I want to pause you right there. That's a lot to unpack, but I'm noticing a pattern. And you can call it laziness, but I think it's deeper rooted than that. And this comes back to, you just mentioned, I need it today, I need it quickly, I need it now. Those words, those are the sound of an emotional reaction. The motivation behind why you're doing it, why you're getting into it in the first place, is because you're unhappy. If you're unhappy, that's the root of the problem. You're unhappy. There's always going to be a next step, a new level, new devil. There's always going to be something, a challenge to overcome. And if you're not happy doing that process of learning the lesson that life is trying to teach you, you're going to be stuck there in that same problem until you learn it. So there's a reason that they're not connecting with the teachings in this system, this formula for success. And it absolutely works when it's applied. From the moment we're born, we're groomed to fit in with society. And that programming is ingrained in us to the point where it feels impossible to be an individual capable of individual ideas and autonomy. Now, notice that word, autonomy. When you're used to being told to go to school, to get good grades, to get a job, to clock in nine to five, and given the guidelines for the work you're supposed to do, Your creativity muscle is so weak, it can feel impossible to have an entrepreneurial thought. The second this idea pops into your brain, you're just like, oh, that's going to be impossible to do by myself. I should just give up. It's designed that way on purpose. Just look at the types of questions you get asked. What's the best way to sell my beats? What's the best way to grow my business? What's the best way to X? Those questions are all asked like an employee asking how to do their job. You can't own a business and expect to be told how to run it successfully. That's not how it works when you're in control. So having autonomy means that there's no one to give you directions. You're in the driver's seat. So you must determine where to go and how to get there. The other thing I want to point out quickly is that you mentioned the shortcut is the longest path to success. I think it's worse than that. It's a trap. If all you took were shortcuts you found from others to build your business, let's pretend you managed to build a business that's propped up on those shortcuts. Congratulations, you launched, you attracted some initial traffic, and let's say you even hit five figures. That's pretty impressive, right? Okay, hit 10 grand. You might get that far, but when adversity hits, and it will, did any of those shortcuts teach you how to run the business? Did those shortcuts allow you to exercise freedom of thought 
and think of how you'd grow beyond this point. Let's say you didn't hit adversity. The clients just kept rolling in, but you can't seem to pass that $10,000 a year mark. What do you do next? This is just like we discussed the other day in Discord, Adam. Somebody in a similar community had noticed that many studios have been liquidating near them lately. He believed this was a sign of a slowdown in the music industry, thinking it affected everyone. Hence, he asked if others were experiencing slowdowns in business too. Here's the thing, though. like Your beliefs impact how you perceive the world around you which is really what this episode is all about. And it's easy to react emotionally when you see a ton of studios dumping their gear onto marketplaces, selling off their gear. Oh, the economy must be slowing down. There's no business, right? Don't believe everything you think. (laughs) Wayne Dyer said it best. Wayne Dyer, for those of you that don't know, he was an American self-help author and motivational speaker. And I love this quote from him. He says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm. So in other words, correlation does not equal causation. Yeah. I was posting a bunch of my old studio gear on Reverb recently, and I was surprised at how quickly I managed to sell nearly 70% of that gear was just gone (laughs) within like a matter of a month. I had assumed it would be like a slow burn. And I might not sell anything in this economy just because the market fluctuations and hearing about all the sorts of layoffs and the market is bustling. I managed to get the asking prices for all of my gear, which blew my mind. Now, I can't determine whether the people buying were the hobbyists or professionals from the sales alone, but whether it's supporting their hobby or not, I was even more surprised that those sales led to an interest in my mastering and coaching. I actually got clients for my services just by selling gear on Reverb. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to then correlation does not equal causation. It just goes to show if you see it doesn't mean that it's happening that way. You got to dive deeper. And I think we let the identity we've assumed over the years become this imprint that we must stick to. I've always been this way and this is just who I am. So I don't even think about changing, but that's precisely what dreams will ask of us if we want to make them a reality. We're talking about the stuff of dreams here. The bigger the vision, the harder it will be to accomplish. And I think most of us get stuck in this challenge phase. Can I make this dream real? The moment we face real adversity, the moment things start to feel even a bit uncomfortable, our brain's already hard at work switching on survival mode and throwing all of our old habits at us to get us back into that comfort zone, that safety net. The more you begin to project into that dream state, of what you want in life, the more it inspires you. If your dreams are bigger than the adversity, you'll get through. But the minute that adversity, those emotions are bigger than where you're going, bigger than your dreams, you're toast, man. You got to reevaluate that. And I think you've already touched on this. So I want to see if we can clarify this further. You kept raising money as a focal point for producers considering the program. Yeah. So if your focus and target is making money, it will keep you broke, honestly. (laughs) So here's an example. Like we can all try this out. If I gave you $5,000, right, to put an ad for my production services on your podcast, would you take it? Would you take $10,000 to build a website for me? If I paid you a hundred grand to quit your producer job and come work for me full time, would you take it? These are like simplistic, fun questions, but if you said yes to any of these, that's what I'm talking about. You made focusing on money the target, 
And that's what employees do because every yes is a no. So every time you say, yes, I'll build that for you, or yes, I will. Okay, yes, selling ad space on that, sure. Even though it's a competing product for yours, you're saying, I'll stop building what I'm building just for the money. You're saying yes to the money, but you're saying no to what you're building. You're talking about a distraction from your primary goal. If your goal is Mm -hmm. to be a producer who serves artists and people who need music production services, then, well, does this fall in line with that? Or is that quick cash grab getting in the way? Yeah. And every successful producer I know, or business owner in general, is not focused on making money. As the CEO of my business, I'm focused not on making money, but actually building a money-making machine. That's not just adding one word. This isn't semantics. That's a world of difference because I will do whatever it takes, whatever the cost, whatever the time to build that machine. The most valuable asset that you could ever acquire in your life is your brand. So when you're investing time, money, and energy into that personal brand or business, you're building something that maybe you don't see a paycheck for a week or you don't get paid that day. But before I continue, I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying work for free. What I'm saying is that if you focus on building a business machine over just chasing those quick dollars, you may not see the cash flow right away, but Mm -hmm. what you will get when you keep saying yes to making that machine will be worth a thousand times, a million times more than any one of those like dollar things that you're chasing. Where I am today, having built what I built, is by saying no to those opportunities that took me away from the business I was building. Yeah, that's interesting. I bet that was probably the most challenging and expensive lesson you've had to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Realizing the opportunity cost of saying yes to the immediate piles of money. It's tough when it's right there. Hey, this cash is right here. I can grab it. I might have to do the thing that I have to do to get it, but it's right here. It's hard to say no to a small pile of money in front of you right now, but if you have the willpower and the discipline to understand that a much more significant mountain of cash is just down the road, you start to look at the world differently. And just like your Wayne Dyer quote you said earlier. So what did you start paying attention to? You hit the nail on the head there. It's like focusing on the short term versus the long term. You absolutely have to focus on the long term. What's the long term goal? And we need to understand that in order to be successful, it's not just about having you know a bunch of marketing tactics. Even though marketing is essential, marketing is actually housed within a business container, right? And that's the metaphor I like to use. Your business is a machine and people that grow professionally and spiritually see that they've spent a portion of their life probably trying to change the fix or attach anything to the external. If I change this, if I do that, then I will be happy. Then Mm. I will change. Then I'll grow or be better. Living only in the 3D world. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure you're familiar with the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So just as change is required for you to experience growth, you start to realize that the change with 
within your business will cause the most change outside of your business. That's where the most growth happens. Mm. If your business isn't making money, the money that you want, and it's costing you more time and energy than you care to admit, I'm here to tell you, you're doing it all wrong, obviously. (laughs) Obviously, because if you're doing it right, it would be working. And the funny thing is people like to be right. I need to be right. Hell, you would rather be right than have results. <laughs> it's, it's, I see it time and time again, but it's up to you, which is the most important. Mm-hmm. Most music entrepreneurs come to the table simultaneously not knowing very much, but they believe they know everything. Right? Oh. So if they hear something new or different that contradicts their common sense, they simply ignore it. They reject it, move on. I want to pause you right there because I actually had a conversation with my neighbor who was inebriated at the time, but he actually (laughs) is, he's very highly intelligent guy, but he said something very wise that I wasn't expecting. The dumb man looks to only smart people for answers and how to learn something, but the smart man, truly intelligent man, every person, any source can be a a resource to learn Mm. from. So it means you don't have to necessarily say, hey, I need to look at these top-level CEOs or Simon Sinek or whoever is at the top of the industry and have them be the model that I need to emulate. Anybody can be a mentor to you. Anybody can be a coach. If they applied themselves, look for the right information. It's not the answers we seek. It's the quality of the questions we're asking. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the core of where we're getting at. Sorry, I didn't want to get you off track, but it just was funny. He brought up such a... Wise quote, but he was practically sloshed. He was pretty, pretty drunk. <laughs> hey, some, sometimes those profound things happen during those situations. Yeah. And but, it was a perfect demonstration of exactly what he was saying. <laughs> and whether you'd like to admit it or not, you were indoctrinated into a particular way of thinking and acting mm-hmm. from a very young age, five days a week, seven hours a day for nearly 18 years of your life. If you don't think that experience made an impression on you, think again. We have this kind of predisposition towards being an employee. We're told from day one when we go to school that the path to success is to work hard, do your homework, do what you're told, and you'll graduate and get the job. Mm. Work hard becomes so ingrained in us that it becomes our strategy for providing our worth in the world. So if I work harder, I'll be more worthy and deserving. So I just got back from North Carolina visiting my sister and she just had her second child. I'm holding the baby and then it oh. like occurred to me the concept of working hard will suddenly make you worthy. Try saying that to a newborn baby. You're not worthy. Get to work. But in school, Uh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't say that. That's my point. I'm not not gonna tell my newborn niece to stop laying around, get to work. It just doesn't make sense, right? But in school, we're taught to ask for permission, right? Mm -hmm. Raise your hand, wait your turn. Only go to the bathroom when you are told you can. In the world of entrepreneurship, And dare I say, our role as music producers, where your job is to literally create what's never been created before, permission will never be granted, ever. And if you're waiting for it, truth is you're going to be waiting a very long time. So you must break free from this programming and this indoctrination of traditional thinking 
to be able to innovate, create, run and operate in an entrepreneurial endeavor. We can ditch the default software program of the employee mindset and upgrade it to the entrepreneurial mindset. I just want to say something here is that there's nothing unique about me. I had to figure all this stuff out the hard way. And the reality is that your brain doesn't align with your beliefs to fit your life. It aligns your life to fit your beliefs. Yeah. And I would argue that the person that's neglecting to start their business now because they're pointing at the studios that are shutting down, I would argue that those failed businesses are probably just like them, not paying attention to the right things and their clients are going elsewhere because the failed studios only reached a level of business that they were able to sustain by being a cookie cutter. They weren't innovating. They weren't trying to be ahead of the curve. So they couldn't pivot because they didn't spend the time working on their machine. And I'm willing to bet that if they had, they'd probably be able to pivot and find a way to survive and keep their passion alive before they ended up in dire straits. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so in addition to the mindset issue of causing these studios to shut down, and what we're talking about, the prerequisite here, there's actually four principles of business that I've discovered. And these are like universal truths in a way that you need to understand even before you consider starting a business, right? And whether it's with your music or something else. And what is a principle? These are universal truths. This is something that is required. And it's not something you get to say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Oh, I don't need that. No. This is what all successful business have, these four principles. And number one is solve a problem. Number two is the role you fill determines the results you receive. You need to have structure to run efficiently. And how you see things determines what is possible. Mm. And it all starts from inside your organization. Even if it's just you and a part-time virtual assistant, a lot of people think that they're not really in business or have a business if it's just them or they don't have a legitimate business if they don't have employees. It's just them doing it. No, you still have a business. Yeah, you're self-employed. 100%. Or you're a sole proprietorship. Yeah. of the law. But the reality is you're just the one doing all the roles yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And that's fine for now. So here's the first one. And it's a simple one. So it, this is around the law of compensation. Mm. And this is really just a foundational one to start with, but it's something that we want to never lose sight of. I've had producers come to me and say, the biggest problem that they have is I'm not making money with my production services or my music. And it's been a long time that I've been at this for a year. I'm not making any money. And the reason is pretty simple. They weren't selling anything. (laughs) (laughs) They have nothing for sale. They have no offer. They weren't solving a problem. Oh, my beats or mixing and mastering service is what I'm selling. No, that's not what you're selling. No one is going to give you money just because you made something. We are in the business of solving problems. So that's why we exist. We solve a problem, fulfill a need, and we get paid for that. And we must never lose sight of that. So whenever you get into your fears and uncertainty about the state of your business or the future of your business, you can always come back to what are we here to do? And we're here to solve problems. 
And I'll tell you one thing, problems never go away. People always have problems. The people change. Yes, the marketplace changes. The types of problems change. The way they want them solved will change. But when people are seeing all these new advents like AI and all these types of things, it's just that the way in which things will be solved and addressed will change. I don't think any time in our lifetimes that problems on this planet will be eradicated and everyone's going to be like these enlightened beings, four feet <laughs> levitating off of the light. ground. <laughs> of light. But if you say, I want a business and I want to be making a certain amount of money, but you're not selling anything. Don't mm. be upset when you don't sell anything. Don't be upset when you don't make any money. So we're in the business of solving problems. And that's where we always want to come back to. You say to yourself, I'm providing value. I'm solving a problem. And like I was saying before, like anything changes, markets change, algorithms change, all that kind of stuff. But problems aren't going to go away. And that's actually a wonderful thing. So when you look at this principle, the law of compensation, we are paid in direct correlation to the value that we provide to someone. Yeah. Right? Let me pause you right there because I did bring this up in the last episode. The book that I covered, The Go-Giver, has these principles in it. The law of compensation is actually one of the core tenets of what they're teaching. And mm -hmm. when you start to wrap your head around, this is where you can start to really unlock things because now you're paying attention to the right questions. <laughs> you're going to start asking smarter questions that will solve the problems. I equate this to leadership. I don't care if it's just you or if you have a team, but leadership comes from within. And this is something that I've been looking into a lot more now that I have reached a management position in my company. I have to lead a team. And mm -hmm. I'm enjoying the process of it. But what I find really enjoyable about it is that I have to learn and grow. And I've become accustomed to not being afraid to fail. I think that's a big key here. And so something I've been looking into, this might supplement what we're talking about here with the four core tenets of what Adam just explained. Those, again, were solve a problem. The role you fill determines the results you receive have structure to run efficiently, and how you see things determines what is possible. To supplement that, how do we get there? Trying to build a roadmap for ourselves to get that muscle in our brain turning. I've learned about something called Kaizen, which I think Toyota was the first company back in the 50s to implement this whole concept of Kaizen. And there's 10 steps to it, but I don't want to deviate too much from what we're talking about here. Just simply, I'll leave links to stuff in the show notes. There's an article that will explain it. But it's basically just continual improvement. And to have continual improvement, that means you have to be willing to challenge your current concepts and notions, and you have to be willing to take risks on new ideas and see if they work. Not that if they don't work, oh, pout my face, I guess I go back to the drawing board, I'm done, throw up your, have a fit and <laughs> just <laughs> get nowhere. No, build your documentation. What did you learn from that experience? And that'll help ask another question. That will lead you in the right direction. So the continual improvement model is something I think we need to start applying to ourselves in our personal life before we can start applying it to our business. So I just wanted to interject that there before we continue. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. It brings me to what is the value that you're bringing to the marketplace. And first of all, value is subjective, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is if you want to make more money, it's pretty simple. Solve bigger problems. So 
I want to try like an exercise with you, Cameron, as a music producer, how do you solve bigger problems as a music producer? You're not just not producing a song for someone. That's not a problem. Mm -hmm. So what is the problem that you're solving for an artist? Ooh, man, you put me on the spot. I guess it comes down to, am I helping them elevate their game? Ultimately, what they want is to reach a new level in the marketplace for themselves, right? They're coming to you because they want probably to solve their problem faster, quicker, easier. They want the mm-hmm. easy button because it's frustrating with them. So how do, where do we go from there? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It's like you're selling them what they want, not what they need. Because, for example, they need a new hook in their song because that's what's really lacking. An artist brings a song for you to produce And they say they just want it to sound better. Like the problem in that is. Gotcha. Like the second you hear what they've sent you, it's, oh, okay. No, it's clear to me what this needs. It's clear (laughs) what the problem is, right? So you're selling them what they want. They want a better song, but you're solving the problem for them. Like they don't really necessarily need to know that was the problem that you're solving, but it's more of you as the business is that we're in the business of solving problems. So the problem is. With the song is that the chorus just lacks the structure it needs. It doesn't have a, the hook, you know, yeah. that it's to really make it enough. catchy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So and it's funny. The way yeah. you posed that question was vague enough that, yeah, it's hard to tell where to steer this conversation, which is mm-hmm. exactly what happens to a lot of producers, a lot of music business yeah. in general. People are coming to you to solve a problem, but they don't even know what their problem is. They just say, hey, it's not working for me. Figure it out. And then you approach it, oh, I'm just going to do some tweaks in the mix and that you're providing a service. No, you're not solving the problem. And that's why your business in your studio ultimately shuts down because <laughs> you're just providing a service. And what's going to happen if you're just a service provider is people are going to find the cheapest option out yeah. there. When there's too many options in the market, people will default to price, which is exactly what happens in a very competitive marketplace where things are commoditized. If you aren't innovating, if people can't tell your service apart from the next, they're going to go shop somewhere that's cheaper. Yeah, 100%. Another thing is that prioritization is based on the level of importance, right? Mm. So if it's not important, it's not valuable, right? So this is why prevention doesn't sell. And that reminds me of this marketer's riddle, which is this question. And I'll turn it to you, Cameron, to maybe Mm. answer this. For our audience, when is the most common time someone buys a security system? Before or after the break-in? After. It's definitely after. after. they're broken in. So (laughs) everyone answers that correctly, that people don't buy preventively because it's not important to them, right? Or when do people go to the doctor? It's usually when there's already a problem. Exactly. (laughs) And But then again, you could argue there's a temperament of people out there that are like super prepared. That's amazing to be like, have a But even then, they're probably in a constant emotional state of distress where they're like, the anxiety Mm. is high. No, I need to be prepared. Because what if? Because what if? Because what if? It's just on repeat, the behavioral patterns established in their brain. But the average person is not. The average person is more of a reactive state. They're reacting to what they see as the biggest problem in their life at the time, mm-hmm. and that's what they focus on. So that's one way we can communicate our value, right? It's not the only way, right? When there's a bigger risk, there's a bigger reward, and it's going to have a much bigger impact. So my point with that is, is that the more specialized you are, the more you can charge. If you're just a generalist, 
you're not going to make the most money. I always like this analogy of if you have a heart condition, you don't go to your general doctor for that, right? You seek out a specialist, yeah, right? A cardiologist or something. Yeah. yeah. And who makes more? The cardiologist or your general physician? <laughs> good point. Good point. So this leads us to number two of the mm-hmm. principle of business. Something that I realized the hard way is that the role you fill determines the results you receive, which is super powerful, right? The role you fill determines the results that you receive. So the moment you create a business, you actually have an entity, an organization, which is made up of all these several roles. That's why you hear things like, what's the org chart? The organization has different roles. And then you say, no, Adam, it's just me. No, it's not just you. You're the only team member, but the reality is there are all these different roles in your business. There's the CEO, there's the bookkeeper, there's the customer support, there's the copywriter, there's the tech programming person, there's the social media person, there's the email marketer, there's the head of content, there's the mix engineer, there's the mastering engineer, there's the recording engineer, there's the songwriter. It's like there's so many roles. So many roles. And that's what we're doing. We're metaphorically wearing all these hats and then we're avoiding some of those hats, right? Oh yeah. And the hats that we tend to avoid are the roles that require the most from us that are only the ones we can fill, which is the ironic thing, right? So the role you fill determines the results that you receive. We all want results in our business, right? That That's the goal, right? But that's not why you're in business. So don't tell me any other way. You're not just going to feel good and have fun. If that was the case, stick with music being your hobby. This mm-hmm. is a business. So this is a business about results. So part of those results is money, right? Yeah, obviously, you can't keep the doors open without money, but it's a tool. You have to master your money, and Mm -hmm. that's another conversation for another time. And we actually did have a podcast on the money mindset thing, which we'll link up in the show notes because you got to master your money. (laughs) If every time you're doing something different, you're in a different role, right? So it's going to determine the results that you have in your business. So here's an extreme example. If all you did was spend all day in customer support, then what type of results is your business going to produce versus if you spend all your day in the CEO role or the head of marketing or the head of sales, right? The face of the company. A lot of times what's happening is that you're working in a role that's far below your own pay grade. You're doing things that you should not be doing. And there's a lot of these beliefs which people have is, especially if you're the only person running the business, is that you want to do it all yourself. I'm the only one that can do it. If I want it done right, I might as well do it myself. Or I'm not ready to hire or outsource that kind of stuff. Or I'm just trying to save money. I'm trying to be thrifty. (laughs) But all of those things are so wrong. And what I mean by wrong is that it's actually hurting you. They're ineffective and it's the opposite of what you want because it's actually costing you to stay in those low value roles of your business. You have so many hours in the day, so much energy that you can do in a day. You are the CEO of the business first and foremost, right? So I'm going to make this even more simplified. Let's say you're getting paid $1,000 an hour as the CEO of your business, right? (laughs) 
but you keep doing customer support all day, which is like a $15 an hour job. Mm -hmm. So every hour you're in customer support, you've just burned $985. Do you see the math on that? But you put someone else in that role, you just got your hour back, right? And you paid somebody $15 for that hour so you can make 1000 in that hour, right? So this only works on top of that first principle we were talking about earlier, which is that we're in the business of solving problems, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't make money until you go out there and get paid to solve a problem, right? So let's say we're doing that. We got our first sale. But you don't have a business if you don't make that sale, period. So we have to say it again, but if you're not making sales or you're not asking for a sale, you're not in business, right? So we got to get that sale first, right? So we got that sale. And once we do that, we need to start elevating ourselves out of these roles of the company sooner rather than later. And some people will probably hear this and say, oh, crap, I got to go hire 10 people. No, please don't do that. But we should know that if I'm avoiding money-making roles in my business, you're avoiding the things that are going to make the business money. If you keep operating with the urgent things, like the things I have to get done right now, I got to edit this video, I got to post it on YouTube, I got to do this, got to do that. Even if they're small and quick, it's, yeah, it's costing you a lot more than you realize. And that so, goes back to the emotional things driving your yeah. decision-making process. Like I mentioned, the hamster wheel. If you're sitting there, oh my God, I, I got to do this, I got to do that. I don't have time to do that. I got to do this, I got to do that. That's the hamster wheel. You got to get out of the hamster wheel. You have to slow down to speed up so you can start working on the machine versus just operating the machine. Right now, if it's only yeah. you operating it, you have way too many hats. You're going to have to start offloading those soon. But I also wanted to interject too that I think a lot of people get stuck because a lot of producers tend to come from the artist background. They're mm-hmm. self-producing artists and they come with this mindset that like the intellectual property is the thing that drives sales. Mm-hmm. But for you, no, if you're providing a product or a service, it's the product or service that ultimately is what people are going to transact with you. There's a reason they're coming to you and that's to solve their problems, but it's the product or service that's going to solve their problem. And I would argue, and you've even mentioned this in the past, Adam, that it's when you have something that's repeatable, that's what Mm -hmm. makes it a business. You can be a business of one person, but you have a repeatable process. Whether you're selling a product, selling a service, it's repeatable. So if you can't even get to the stage where it's repeatable, do you really even have a business yet? (laughs) This should be like a Venn diagram, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. all interrelated because you're jumping to point number three before we even get there. But, (laughs) but, but yeah, this is, it's all interrelated, these four principles and you have to have them. And so what we need to understand here is that there's this distinction between responsibility Mm -hmm. versus doing. And when we say that your role determines your results, which Mm -hmm. means if I said in the first principle, if you want to make more money, solve bigger problems for more people. In this principle of business, if you want to make more money, give yourself a promotion. Yep. Yep. Yes, let's elevate your role and let go of the roles that you shouldn't be doing. And that's the easiest way, right? So how do you do that? How do you know if you should do this? There's actually two ways to do it. There's two bookends to this in a way. So let's say, and we're going to get really super tactical here. So let's say the first is take the money that you made in the last 12 months, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so you can then divide that by 2080, right? So 2080, because that's how many 40 hour work weeks for mm-hmm. a whole year within it, maybe with a couple weeks off. I don't know, but you can play around with these numbers, right? It's a standard it's, number of the 40 hour work week for yeah, an so, employee. So, yeah. yeah. So 2080, right? And that's, it will get you a number. Let's say you take what you make, divide it by 2080, and that gives you 50, right? So this is how much an hour your time is worth right now. So now if you're doing anything in the business that's already below $50 an hour, someone else could be doing that for less. We need to get that position filled ASAP. That's the first step. You got to get that sorted out because you're still doing customer support half your day. And then you're probably going to say, okay, then I can just work longer. And no, get that off your plate and you can work the same number of hours, but you're working at a higher level in your company. So what you're saying is people are coming at it from the time being their bottleneck. Like I'm just spending way too much time in the business right now doing the same things and I'm not really getting ahead. Well, you need to offload it. Give yourself You need to buy back some of your time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 100%. Because really there's only 5% of the activities that you do in your business are actual revenue generating activities. So what would happen if you spent 95% of your day on those 5% activities, Ooh. you're going to make a whole lot of more money, right? <laughs> so then the next side of this is to set the goal that you have for your business over the next 12 months. Again, divide that by 2080. Let's say now you're at $75 an hour. Okay. And so that would be the next one you do. And if you're playing with those numbers, maybe you can get a customer support rep for $15 to $20 an hour. Or like a virtual assistant. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So why am I doing that? Or you could get a virtual assistant overseas, like for $4 an hour. Just to interject there too, don't get virtual assistants confused there. We would say $4 an hour. We're leveraging something called arbitrage. It's not just that we're like, oh yeah, we're hiring dirt cheap sweat labor. Like this is somebody who... That's why I said overseas. If $4 an hour in the Philippines is a livable wage, when it's not in the United States, right? It's $25 an hour here is what it works out to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's the point. And the other part of this is that you're looking for this easy button, right? What's the secret sauce? Everybody asks, like, what am I missing here? And the reality is you left out an ingredient and that ingredient is you, right? Mm. You're the secret. And I'm being dead serious here. The moment you figure out that you're the secret ingredient, you're just going to explode. Mm. Yeah, so we're getting there. This is the third principle, right? Because business requires structure. You're saying you need structure, but that could mean a lot of things. But you need to be process dependent, not people dependent. Uh. That's the thing. That's like what you were saying. Like you can still do this using like automation tools that we have. The technology exists like email automation, chat bots, that kind of stuff to automate customer support. You can install like widgets and on your website, you know, and stuff like that. Or answer, yeah, (laughs) answer questions and stuff. You don't have to spend your hours in customer support doing that. You can install a chat bot. So that's the thing is that your business has to have structure. It's not that it's people dependent. So you can still do this as Cameron was saying with just you, but you have to be consistent with that. You have to, as you were saying, rinse and repeat. You have to be able to replicate this in Mm -hmm. a standard way. 
you know me, I like my metaphors and stuff, right? <laughs> so I, do you know this one? So why is the NASA space shuttle the size it is? No. Do you know this one? Do, do you know why? And the answer is actually it's because of the size of Roman chariots. Really? Yeah. And because the rocket was built in different locations, and then what did they do? They used the railroad to ship it uh, to Cape gotcha. Canaveral. <laughs> and so it can fit on the tracks and going through the tunnels and stuff and the bridges. The railroad tracks are the width based upon the actual size of the original Roman carriages. So yeah, 2,000 years ago, right? They were building modern day technology based on a decision that was made <laughs> 2,000 years ago, right? Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. So many people just say, I'm just not ready to hire yet. And I'm like, you're not ready to hire yet because you haven't hired yet. Yeah. You can't afford to because you're not doing it yet. If you start yeah. doing it, then you'll be able to afford it. And I've mentioned this before in the podcast too. It's not that you hit a million dollars and suddenly you can behave like a million dollar business. No, the business has to learn how to behave and act like a million dollar business before mm -hmm. they earn the million dollars. You're moving the ball down the field at millimeters at a time. But if you would have just had an extra hand to help you, or you had these systems and structure and processes in place, you can just like literally clone yourself, like multiply yourself. You could work 20 hours a week doing the things somebody else could do probably faster than you, right? And that would give you back time to your business to focus mm. on being in the CEO position, right? What I'm getting at is when someone says they want to scale their business, a lot of people say, I want to make more money. We all do, right? Everybody does, but it takes a team. And so the fourth principle is how you see things determine what is possible. I'm surprised about the amount of people when we share these concepts and these new ways of thinking. Well, it's not really new ways of thinking. Again, it's like these are principles of business, but the way you're pre-programmed from your employee mindset, you're saying things like, nah, that will never work, things like that. But you got to flip the script and ask better questions like that are results oriented. Just thinking like a child. Look at when you were young, you didn't have any limiting beliefs that were instilled in you the yeah. way that you do as an adult. When you get these inklings and ideas, something just inspires you, popped in your head. Uh, you as an adult, you probably shoot it down immediately. Nope, have to ignore that. That's not something I can act on right now. But instead of saying, nope, can't do it right now, think more like the child is, okay, and what would it take to make that possible? What do I have to do to make that happen? What would it take? So these questions inspire you to continue with that thought. And if you can follow it through and work through it and find a path to implement it, now you're thinking like an innovator. Now you're thinking like an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is out there saying, this is something that probably nobody else is doing. What would it take to do this? I was reading an article, share this one with you earlier, Adam, the Ted Joya. He's mm -hmm. the honest broker. And this guy does a lot of writing for the music industry and he approaches primarily artists, but this is something that impacts creatives everywhere. Everybody's complaining how tough it is to survive in this industry. I get it. It's not easy. But he shared eight essential pieces of advice for struggling creatives out there. Number one really hit me right in my core. That's been something where I've put actual music making to the wayside for me personally. 
in the past few years just because of so many life changes, like moving to Southern California, meeting my wife, <laughs> getting married, buying a house. There's a lot of big life events that happen in a very short span of time. But ultimately, I want to get back to making music because it brought me joy. He said, focus on the intrinsic joy of making music. And I'm going to quote him right here. And I really want you guys to go read the article. So I'm going to leave it in the show notes as well. We are blessed to be musicians. For us, work truly is play. There are only three jobs and that which is true. A musician plays an instrument, an actor plays a role, and an athlete plays a sport. For the most part, everybody else just goes to work. If they don't, Mm -hmm. they must have found some way to turn their job into a kind of music. Just getting to engage in our creative pursuit puts us ahead in the race. Don't ever take it for granted. Experience is the intrinsic joy and total abandon that is our birthright as musicians. It will sustain you when everything else lets you down. I'm not going to get into the rest because it, honestly, go read the article. Really some nuggets of gold in there for you guys. But that one spoke to me the most. And I think as producers that are chasing the quick buck, the reason I see so many fail is because they forgot why they started. They didn't stay in touch with this intrinsic joy of making music, the joy of learning new concepts and ideas, uh, arrangement, composition, production methods, sound design, all this stuff. It's Atlas goes down the rabbit hole. Absolutely. But if you enjoy the process, it's a lifelong journey. (laughs) Right? I think it's even more interesting than that because there's this cosmic joke in a way. As creatives, we're the innovators, we're the thinkers, musicians, we're literally creating something from nothing. Mm -hmm. But then society juxtaposed that to our upbringing and why we're not experiencing success. There's actually a legitimate reason why. It is your fault, but it's not at the same time. (laughs) Because of what we were saying of your upbringing, you're programmed for this employee mindset. Whenever you do something creative, In school, it was viewed as an extracurricular activity. The first thing that gets cut from our (laughs) education system here in the United States is the music or the arts programs, because that's not essential because creativity is threatening because our system was set up for people to become employees. Why do you think the bell rings between periods? That's rooted in going to the factory. When you ring the bell, <laughs> something happens in the factory, right? Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing, right? It's like when you think about that. So your creativity, everything is being suppressed. So it's not a surprise that you're not experiencing success because you're trying to operate from that employee mindset. I'll give you a concrete example. So I was super supported by my family in music, right? Mm-hmm. But what was the options, right? Like in fitting into the society of like the role of having a job. What do you do? So the options were, when I went to college, the options were you continue on to go in academia. So I went Mm. for my bachelor's degree, then I continued on to master's. And then I was like, no, I don't want to teach at a university. I did apply for doctoral programs and I did go through that process. And ultimately I didn't get into the schools I wanted to in a doctoral program for a lot of bureaucratic BS that I won't go into here, it was like a signal, no, you don't want to take this path. But that's one of the paths, right? The other path is that you become a music teacher. If you're lucky, you can get into a school system 
where in public education in like high school or middle school where they still have an arts program, you get lucky to get a job there, right? But that's still a job, right? When you come out of this, you're like, okay, well, that's really the only option for me to have success. There's no job for a creator, right? You have to mm-hmm. create, literally have to create your own jobs. And you're not trained for that in these schools. Our universities even, I always laugh when I see music schools now offering masters in music business when they're actually teaching <laughs> you how to become an employee of like maybe Sony or Warner or, or Universal. So yeah. you become an employee of that machine. That somebody All they else do is built. make you aware of, hey, licensing is a thing or yeah. contracts are a thing or production processes are a thing. They just kind of expose you to all this, but they don't actually teach you. <laughs> it's like they expose you to it and then it's, oh, you want to get into licensing? Become a lawyer. Oh, you want to go into publishing? Go work for music publisher. It's further perpetuating this employee mindset and nobody is teaching how to deprogram your brain. Really, you want to do this as a career. Your options is you could get lucky, right? There are still studios out there, right? You can get a job for a recording studio, but those jobs are few and far between, or eventually maybe you can pay your dues and then eventually... Mm a label will hire you on as a staff songwriter. Again, a job, right? Max Martin or Rick Rubin, all these people are employed by these companies because they've just been at it for so long. The labels just have the relationship with them. Yeah, I think I was reading somewhere that 95% of musicians don't do it full time. And that's because of there's really only 5% of these jobs that are available in the traditional sense. So you're talking about the old industry too, the label model. Yeah. So if you want to be part of that and spend 10 years doing it, like I tried, I literally did. I've spent 10 years of my life trying to work that system. It didn't work. It's a good old boys club. Yeah. And so what was my option? Quit or, and just do music on the side. Mm -hmm. I invested all this time and this money in my education I have a freaking master's degree. I'm not going to go work in a job that's not in my industry. So what do I have to do is that I have to create my own opportunities. And no one really teaches you that. So that's why we are doing what we're doing here at the Music Producers Alliance is because my bigger vision for Music Producers Alliance, this is the problem that we're trying to solve, I guess. Going back, It's a paradigm shift. It's that this has to happen because it doesn't have to be this way. The success that I've had because I've implemented these business principles that we just talked about Mm -hmm. and then implemented the mindset shift. I'm not going to say I don't have my bad days. You're not going to get it 100% of the time. You have literally, like me, what was that now? That was like 25 years being programmed, like going through Mm -hmm. elementary school to high school to university. That's 25 years of programming Oh, it's from to, birth. If you think yeah. about it, because even your parents, if they have the employee mindset, yeah. they're teaching you that in the home environment from day yeah. one. Exactly. I guess my point with that is you'll get through this, but it's a slow evolution. The point with that is that's not an excuse to not get started. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, it's funny. I think you and I share a similar background because when I was in high school, music was very inspiring to me. It's the thing that lit the fire under my ass. Oh, me too. 100%. <laughs> and inspire me. So again, it came back to noticing that environment that I was in. My dad was a software programmer, has been for like 
40 plus years now. But even back then, I could see it. he was miserable. And everybody's saying IT's where it's at, IT's where it's at. I saw him as the model of what I didn't want to become. That was my motivation. I was like, man, the music making is way more fun, way more enjoyable. I could see doing this forever for the rest of my life. Grew this software gig. I don't want to be miserable and have to commute two hours each way to work every day and just spend my life working for somebody else. That seems miserable. Like he's just not happy. And I was super happy whenever I'm in the zone making music. I could translate this to making a career out of it because obviously some people do. How do I be like them? My problem was obviously I was too young to notice. Am I asking the right questions? Am I approaching the business the right way? That's what we want to save you the headache, the trouble, aggravation. In my case, that was 10 years of stagnation doing things the wrong way. (laughs) And that's what the Music Producers Alliance is really here to do is to help those that are ready. They want to commit to building their dream career, their dream business. This is the spot to do it. This is the place. These are the people that are going to show you the way. But it ultimately comes down to how much you're willing to put your life on the line for it. And I don't just mean, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. Let's do it. No, I'm put here on this planet for this. Now, I'm saying this from somebody who still has a day job, but I am taking everything that I have learned, the experiences, and applying it in a way that I do enjoy. I do enjoy my day job. But my goal, my purpose here in life, I have skills in music production that people say they just are blown away. I've never had somebody put down my work. They always come to me and say, oh my God, how'd you get that sound? They're blown away. How'd you do that? How'd you get this master to sound this clean, this loud, and still hit all my marks? How did you get your production to sound this way? How'd you get that sound with bass and the kick and all the things that you're doing in the mix and still have it translate well across all these systems? Ultimately, that's a skill that I have, and it's because I've trained my ears. I spent the time doing all this stuff, and I absolutely want to share that wisdom and experience and knowledge with other people so that they can experience that same, oh my God, this, the way that makes me feel as a listener. At the end of the day, that's what artists are trying to do for their audience, and you as a producer have to figure out how to do that for your clients. Yeah, and I will say something about that in the idea that you have a day job, but you have a side business, right? And I think that was the distinction. And I'm not saying to our audience here, you need to quit your day job if you want to be successful. And we have an episode on that too. an episode (laughs) on that, because actually I think you should keep your day job and build your business, but you can't treat your business as a side hustle. It becomes a hobby at that point. Especially if you're not making any money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you're not making money, you have a hobby. You don't have Even the IRS will tell you, okay, you've been saying you're dumping money into this for long enough. This several years now that you haven't claimed an income. Yeah. Eh, maybe. Are you sure it's not just a hobby? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're going to question right. you. <laughs> the whole thing for me was, yeah, I'm not perfect either. And there's a lot that I have to figure out. But if I know my true calling is to help serve other producers and artists with my mastering services, and then coaching them. Now that I've figured that out, that's what this podcast is partly for, is to share my journey with you guys. So I'm documenting my process as I learn and what I'm going to do to implement those things. And I want to share that with you guys on the podcast. But that's also what our roundtables are for in the Music Producers Alliance. We have an amazing community of 
producers and other professionals in the industry that come share their wisdom with us. What better way to grow than to borrow on the wisdom from others that have already experienced the heartache, the headaches, the stress, the anxiety, the worry, all this stuff that we want to overcome and learn how to do it right. And over, and we might even address, oh my God, that was a blind spot for me. I didn't even know it was a blind spot until we start talking about it. And my point with that and bringing up don't quit your day job is that I think the problem is at least that's what I was told, but it was in a negative sense, right? Don't quit your day job because mm-hmm. music isn't going to make you any money. Yeah. Whereas don't quit your day job until you've figured out all this business stuff, which is different. Right. It's not mm-hmm. like you're actually building something it's like with what you're doing. Yeah. You have a day job, but you're building Neologic Studios again because mm-hmm. you figured the way you were doing it for the past 10 years wasn't working. Okay. Let me do something else so I can go back and figure out how to do it right this time. And that's yep. why we exist and why I founded this place because it took me 15 years. It shouldn't have to take that long. When I ask our members, what was the reason for you joining? The number one thing that our students say is, this is the program where you come when you're ready to get results. If you just want to learn a few things, if you just want to have some fun, play patty cake on the (laughs) sidelines, you know, this ain't it. But if you're ready to make serious money with your skills as a music producer, and you're ready to get out in the field, you're ready to score big, you're ready to grow and you want actual results, then this is the program you go to when you're done playing business and you're ready to actually do it. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's not for everybody. Mm. If you want to just do music on the side and music as a hobby, more power to you. But I think most of our listeners know they're meant for something more. They were put on this planet to make the world a better place with the music that they produce. Mm-hmm. and touch people's lives and make a difference, you got to say, okay, something's got to change and I'm ready to be open for a change. And that's yep. the funny thing, because I think when it comes to a big change in your life, when it comes to following your dreams, we're living in this sense of mediocrity where we're in the problem but it hasn't been enough to motivate us to change. We, so what do we do? We just stay in the problem. It's like we're in this I'm fine coma, right? It's like the we're, meme of the cartoon dog. He's sitting in the room that's on fire and he's drinking a coffee and this is everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or we're just doing enough to get by. So how you doing? I'm, yeah, fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You brought this metaphor up before, but there's that dog on the nail story, oh, which yeah. is the dog is sitting on the nail. And why doesn't he get up? Because the pain isn't bad enough. So why make this change now? Why do it now? Most people tend to put off big confronting changes in their life. Mm -hmm. If they can, they will. But when you realize that now is all we have, now is the right time. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Are you going to keep doing what you're doing, hoping for different results, only to end up burn out and finally give up on that dream? Are you going to be open to change? The greatest opportunity we have in life is to evolve. And it all starts from within. Yep. 100%. We have fear of failure, right? Mm -hmm. But in our world as entrepreneurs and music entrepreneurs, failure doesn't really exist. You have two outcomes. It either worked 
or you got a lesson. Yep. I always go back to the famous Einstein quote, you know, when he's asked, you know, about inventing the light bulb. And he said, what was it like failing initially <laughs> to invent the light bulb? Oh, yeah. And he said, I didn't fail. I just found 10,000 different ways not to make a light bulb. Not to make a light bulb. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. This is incredible. Man, we really tackled this one pretty hard. Yeah, so like, but it's um, something that we needed to discuss in our producer community as a whole. You know what? Yeah. I needed it. Personally, I think that's the reason I was willing to schedule this episode with you. I need to hear it myself. I'm like, man, where's my kick in the ass? I've been needing that lately. <laughs> yeah, we, we need a kick in the ass sometime. You know what? Tough love. Yeah. Some of you just need to hear this. What is holding you back? You can look at all the external excuses you might be finding that are like, oh, no, I can't do that today. No, I'm never going to do this. It's you. Your perception of the world, it just comes down to you. And as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. All right, man, what an episode that was. I had a great interview with Adam, and as always, he's been a pleasure to talk to you. And just these are things that I'm addressing in my life, too. And that's why I've also mentioned that I've been addressing this in the podcast. I like sharing specific things with you guys because I want to document my journey as I grow the business or revive Neologic Studios. Part of that means I needed to hear this episode for myself, just as I mentioned earlier. People are looking for an edge to stay competitive in the marketplace and because they want more for themselves. They genuinely just want and care about self-improvement. This is the thing. This is where it's at. And I think a lot of music producers are overlooking this mark. And that's the reason Adam and I did this episode. If you're here right now because you've been struggling trying to figure out what's next, or you've just been stagnant, man, I keep running into the same bottleneck that I'm always running into. I either waste too much time dealing with customers. I don't have time to think about how I build my business bigger than it is. It's time. Are you sick and tired of the waiting game? Like, when's my success going to come to me? Nobody's going to hand it to you. So that's it. You need to seek it out and you have to make time for what is important to you. So again, thanks so much for sticking around. I think 100% of this episode is applicable to everyone. So if you find this episode helpful in any way, if you find this podcast helpful in any way, the best way that you can help others like yourself out is to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app. That social proof can make or break someone else potentially passing on a life-changing opportunity in their lives simply because they didn't know if this podcast was meant for them. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by the Music Producers Alliance, the premier online community and professional development platform exclusively for music producers that provides learning resources, networking opportunities, and business mentoring. If you're ready to learn how to turn your home studio into a profitable business and consistently get high-paying projects with serious artists, head over to musicproducersalliance.com forward slash apply to book a free 30-minute strategy session to find out how we can help.